0: We are already getting ready for 2021. Our theme for 2021, as uh, you can see on those big honkin' signs out there, uh, are it's thriving. And and how do you thrive? Yeah, yeah, that's right. One one's excited. I'm glad. <laughs> uh, we uh, we can thrive even though we live in this corrupt and chaotic world. Uh, believers in Jesus Christ have this capacity. and We're going to learn what that capacity is and why it is we can always be thriving as God's people. But we still have, we have four weeks left in 2020. Now, during this time, we we are going to uh, begin this new series where we're going to be talking about how the, the light of the world has come. And I want to encourage you, though, during this time to be thinking about People you can connect with. Now you, most of you, many of you are in a small group already. And I want to encourage you. I know it's difficult to get in your groups right now. But it seems like what's being effective is guys with guys, girls with girls. And just getting that time uh, specifically for you all to get together and talk. And I want to encourage you to be thinking about that and begin to do it. And especially as we get into 2021 uh, because again we don't know how long we're going to be impacted by what is happening with this pandemic and one of our great concerns is the the relational disconnection that's taking place within our own church family so i want to encourage you think of who you can be connecting with right now begin to make those connections again two three four tops same gender weekly talking through life and and what God is teaching you what God is doing in your life and I'm praying that as we look to see the the, how the the light has come to the world that your heart is going to be encouraged during the season now today today we're going to talk about the fact that the light has come and friends the light has come And, and and we we got to be very careful with distractions the distraction this year is very different You know, in the past, when we would do these these Christmas series, I would say, now look, don't get distracted with all the the busyness, with all the things you've got going on. This year, I feel compelled to say, don't get distracted because things aren't the way they've typically been in the past. You know, what can happen is we can begin to get melancholy and, and think, you know what, this isn't how I pictured it being. Friends, here's what you can know for certain. God is at work. In this odd season, God is doing something very special and we've got to be so careful or we're going to miss it. And one of the ways you'll miss it is by being so caught up in what, what isn't happening, you won't see what is happening. And and there is a lot of great things that are happening because, because our God is a God that, that we can see the hand, that we can't necessarily see his hands, but we see the effects of his hands. And what we can see is that the fact of the matter is that the light has changed come. And this is an important theme within the Bible itself. Now we know that the Bible is not a collection of stories or sayings but it is a single story in four parts. Can you repeat those four parts with me? These are the four parts of the Bible. They are creation, fall, rescue, and restoration. The rescue is, is what we're going to be studying for the next four weeks. This, this coming of Christ, the promised Messiah, this is how the rescue would begin, uh, that, that God himself would enter into this, this time of turmoil. And, and the time when Christ came into the world, it was a tumultuous time. It was a time of distress, very much like our time today. And we who know Jesus, we shouldn't be surprised by this. I mean, Jesus told us in John 16, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And the way he's overcome the darkness of the world is by entering into the world as the light. And the light has come. This light has revealed truth. The light shows the darkness for what it is. And for those of us who believe, this light, this truth, it sets us free. Our text is a celebration of the fact that Christ has come just as the, the prophet Isaiah said he would. And to those who believe, this is going to make our hearts rejoice. For those of, who, of, those of you who have not yet come to belief, I want to encourage you to consider the truth claims that we're going to look at today. We're, we're going to look at prophecies that are hundreds of years old that were fulfilled in the coming of Jesus Christ. And to look at The practical, what I would say, the logical sense of it all, the logical sense of being a disciple of Jesus Christ and be encouraged if you are a disciple and if you're not a disciple, receive this hope. There is no greater hope than the fact that the light has come. Jesus Christ is the light. And we all need hope. And our text today explains how this light, how this hope has come. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go now to the Gospel of Matthew. The Gospel of Matthew. Remember, Matthew was a tax collector. He was very Jewish in his mindset. He actually wrote his gospel with a Jewish audience in mind. So what you'll see in Matthew are a lot of the uh, connections to the Old Testament prophecies and promises and he points to so much of the of what was said about the Messiah in the Old Testament and so here we have him quoting Isaiah if you don't mind let's all stand together in honor of God's word and we're going to look at what many might consider an obscure text it is not obscure at all as as we will come to see Matthew chapter 4 beginning in verse 15 the land of Zebulun, and the land of Naphtali the way of the sea beyond the Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would be seated and pray now for the, the preaching of God's word. Now, this text requires uh, some understanding of the context. So let's go to verse 12. Let's start there just to get context before we, we kind of hammer in on, on the facts of, of what this text tells us. Verse 12 says plainly, Now when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. So the context of this is Jesus is dealing with some, with some difficult days. Uh, One of which is John the Baptist, who, by the way, had just baptized him. And in the timeline of Scripture, what we need to understand is that Jesus began his ministry by being baptized by John the Baptist. He had already begun to do some ministry in Cana and Galilee, this area that we're going to talk about, that our text talks about today. And and after he had been baptized, you'll remember, he went into the desert region. And coming out of the desert region, he, he came out and lo and behold, John the Baptist was was arrested. Now, here's why. John was mad at Herod Antipas because he had divorced his wife. And Herodias, that he fell in love with, she divorced her husband. And the two of them got married. And John was pointing the finger here and saying, this is sin. This is wrong. So they arrested him and later beheaded him. So in the midst of John being arrested, Jesus is back home. And you can read about this in Luke chapter 4. Let me encourage you to go back today and read a little bit more of this background. Luke chapter 4, 16 through 30. Uh, Jesus was back home. Now, again, he had already begun to build a reputation uh, for miracles and for his teaching. So he went back to his hometown, Nazareth, to announce that he was the promised one who would come. That, that he was the fulfillment of the, of the prophet uh, Isaiah. And so he stands up in, in what would be their church and their synagogue. He reads the text and he says, today, this prophecy is fulfilled. Well, they didn't like that. As a matter of fact, it made him so mad that they were about to kill him. So Jesus is having to leave his hometown of Nazareth and he is now coming into Capernaum. He is now coming into Galilee. And it's in the midst of all this distress that, that we see that, that Matthew saying it's here as promised that the light has come. It's here that Jesus is getting ready to launch his ministry. Now look at verse 17. Look what it means that he was launching his ministry. He began to preach. He began to preach, repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so Jesus is getting ready to announce the gospel. He's getting ready for these next three years to really lay it out there. And so he's beginning to draw disciples. Now, it's important to remember, there were five disciples here in Galilee, in Capernaum. This is where they were from. Who were they? Well, they were Peter and Andrew, brothers. James and John, brothers. And then also Matthew, who was a tax collector in the, in the land. If you want to watch something that will help you get a sense of the background of this text, let me, let me highly recommend that you download the app. The chosen. I think they're gonna put it up on the screen for you there. I, I believe you can download this. We're having trouble downloading on Roku. If you know how to do that, hey, direct message me. We're getting one or two. But what we have found is you can download it onto your onto your smartphone or tablet and you can watch it there, and then you can throw it up on your TV or your or your smart television from there. It is it is great. It's very helpful in understanding this time when Jesus was launching his ministry, when Jesus was calling this first of the of the of these five of the of the 12. And this move was providential. There are no coincidences with God. There is only providence. And providentially, these circumstances were happening according to the will of God. Because verse 14, look what it says, verse 14. So that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. I mean, the detail of the fulfillment of this prophecy is very eye-opening because here's what the prophecy was. Isaiah chapter 9, I'm just going to put up on the screen, verses 1 and 2. But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. This was talking about the coming of the Messiah. And we know this because four verses later, look what, look what we read in this prophecy, Isaiah 9, verse 6. Again, four verses later, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God everlasting father, prince of peace, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. God promised that the light of the world would come to this location Jesus was going to Capernaum. He was going to get his his base of operation out of Galilee. This was a part of God's eternal plan. Yes, it was a chaotic time, but this is when the light showed up. This is when the promise was revealed. And so it is now. Yes, this is a chaotic time. Yes, this is a distressing time. Yes, there's, there's, there's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of fear, but the light has come. And because the light has come, we can have Hope, And it's important to understand that this hope is the light of hope. And it's for everyone. And we need to understand how the light comes. Two things I would encourage you to note. And the first is this. The light comes to the darkness around us. You see in verse 15, the region of Zebulun, of Naphtali, these folks have experienced turmoil for hundreds of years. It goes back to the Assyrian conquest. This place was a money-making machine. This area was, was a well-funded area. It was where a lot of money exchanged hands. It was a, a trade route. And so by the time the Romans now, who are over uh, this area of Palestine, man, they're, they're basically misusing this area and those people, taking every dime, squeezing every dime they can get out of them because again it's it's a very economic economically powerful place and and so the good thing is there's all kinds of opportunity the bad thing is it was under hostile control And, and it was seemingly almost always under hostile attack it's very much like our world today here we live in this place of promise, of opportunity, made by the, by the word of God. God spoke it into creation. And there's so many great things. But here's what we know. Our world is under hostile control. Our world is, is under darkness. Romans chapter 8, beginning in verse 22. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the childs of, of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves... We have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we uh, eagerly await for adoption of sons, the redemption of our bodies. So here we are as the redeemed of God. We're ready for the return. We're ready for the restoration. But like the world, we're groaning. We're groaning because we are under this, this heavy curse. And this curse exists because of us. The problem in the world is not what God has done. The problem in the world is what we have done. On the day that our race sinned, here is what, here is what God said to Adam. Genesis, Genesis 3, beginning in verse 17. Cursed it is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For you are dust, and to the dust you shall return. So here we are in this broken world because of our sin and this this painful place where everything that we get comes at great toil and we know it's always in the back of our minds. To the dust we will return. And in the meantime, we're dealing with this spiritual darkness. We're dealing with these spiritual forces. Ephesians chapter six, beginning in verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against, look at this, the cosmic powers over, that that means in dominion of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This is a tough place. This is a difficult era. This is a difficult time. Yes, the light has come, but we're still living in a fallen world because of our sin. We are under Because of our sin, because we who were given dominion over creation, we partnered with with evil by by committing treason against the high king of heaven. So we've basically turned over the reins that we were given to darkness. And that's why darkness reigns. And that's why there's so much pain and suffering. That's why there's so much death. That's why the world is the way it is now. It's because of our sin. But there's still goodness in this world. There's still something of the goodness of what God gave it at creation. There's still great provision, but here's the problem. Here we are as those naturally born under evil with a natural inclination towards sin. And the very things that are meant to bless us often trip us up. Because we were never intended by God to trust in the provisions of this world. We were always meant to trust in the provider our eyes were always meant to be on the provider God and not focused on the provisions of God. And so here we have this world with with all of its problems and pain and rather than looking to the provider, what do we do? We try to figure it out on our own. And we tell ourselves, you know what? If I can just get a little bit more, if I can have all the right stuff and all the right look and everybody applaud me and everybody think I'm great and everybody, you know, wanna be my friend then my life is gonna be great. Well, friends, let me tell you from the person who is probably the richest, most influential, most loved, powerful person ever to live on the planet, Here's what he had to say about this. This comes from Ecclesiastes. The writer of Ecclesiastes, as far as we know, was the wisest, most powerful, one of the most powerful people to ever live on the planet. Look what he said. This is Ecclesiastes 2, beginning in verse 10. And whatever my eyes desire, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure. For my heart, uh, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil and my job. And this was my reward for all my toil then i just i considered all that my hands had done and the toil that i had expended in doing it and behold all was vanity striving after wind and there was nothing to be gained under the sun friends listen to that testimony this is the person who proverbially had it all and i want to say very clearly no matter how much entertainment, porn, or music a person consumes, and no matter how many accomplishments and successes a person gains, nothing a person can experience, do, or own in this cursed dark world will ever satisfy the eternal soul. If you are trying to find your meaning, if you are trying to find your identity, and what you can have and own like this, the writer did here, you are pursuing what is known as idolatry. Idolatry is when you take a created thing, a blessing from God, which is a provision, but make it your God. You so well, I don't worship stuff. Are you sure? Are you sure? See, what you worship, that's what you think about all the time. What you worship, that's what guides you to do what you do. That's what excites you. When you fear of losing it it, 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 it terrifies you. I wonder, what's your idol? We all have them. It's good to know what they are. We need to know that, that, that there is freedom. And the good news, and I encourage you to take note of it, that not only has the light come to this world around us, take note, the light comes to the darkness within us. And we need this light We need this light because the darkness inside of us is being fueled by our idolatry. And the more idolatry, the more idolatrous we are, the more miserable we are. The the more we pursue provisions rather than the provider. When I say provisions, let me make sure, many of you've heard me say this, but even this this morning I heard that on the online community there there was a big discussion about this. And so I want to take just a moment, I want to speak to this because this was new to some people. There are four fundamental idols that we all battle. And they all begin with a P. The, I call them the four P's of idolatry. The, the, the first one is power. We want to be in control. Then there's pleasure. We want to experience things that make it make us feel good. There's popularity. We we want everybody to think we're cool. We can't help it. We, we all do. We all want to be accepted and applauded. And then there's possessions. We want to have stuff. You say, I don't really want more stuff. You sure Because most of us just want a little bit more than our neighbors. I mean, we don't want to be Bill Gates unless we can. But, you know, we just want a little bit more. Why is that? Well, because these provisions are not bad things typically. It's not bad to want to have authority. It's not bad to want to have things that you're responsible for. It's not bad to to want pleasure within the boundaries for which God has provided. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be loved and the love of other people. But here's what we do is we make gods out of those things. We decide that those are the things that make our lives work. So here we are, and we have every reason right now to be afraid, to be angry, to have despair. I mean, we have a virus who is, who is killing, it's, it is killing people. <laughs> and on top of the other viruses, many of us have already had shots for and other things that are going on. The financial impact of this has yet to be measured. There's still great fear of, of what future lockdowns, what, what future decisions, what that could bring about. There's anger about this. There, there, there has been strife. There are political issues at play. There are hurting people who are hurting people, destroying property, destroying relationships. And all of that creates anger and fear and despair. And, and so does the, the idols. Because here's what happens. When you have an idol and that idol is under attack you become very afraid. You become afraid of losing it. As a matter of fact, many will get angry. I'll just tell you, that's my, that's my typical emotional response to a threat, anger. Some fall into despair. It's like, I can't do anything. I, it doesn't matter what I do. It, it's just, it, it's, it's all a loss. It's just like the Ecclesiastes, vanity is every Everything is vain and that's not true. But that's how we feel. And that's what happens when we build our lives on the provision rather than the provider. Because see, we have this natural inclination that we can't escape. Every single one of us were born dead to God spiritually dead to God. So because of that vacuum that exists within our soul, we can't help it, but as human beings, we got to put something in there. So what do we see about us? We see the four Ps and we think, okay, let's stuff that and put that in our soul. It doesn't work, but we continue to do it. Why? Well, because of our natural inclination. Ephesians chapter two, beginning in verse one, and you were dead in the, trespass, in, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience in our spiritually dead condition the darkness reigns not only around us but within us and without the light we will live and die in this condition but friends good news the light has come and it's important to note how the light how it is what it has come through two things to note here the light has come through two things first The light has come through the promise made to us. This great promise. God said he would come and save and rescue us from sin. That he would restore all things. He said it a hundred different ways in the Old Testament. Here are my three favorites, all right? Here's the Pettis top three prophecies, all right? In in case you care, even if you don't, you got to listen and act like you're interested. The first one is this. God promised a man would come and save us at a great sacrifice. A biological man, would come and save us through sacrifice of himself. Genesis 3.15, and I will, this is God cursing Satan. And I will put enmity, enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He, a biological male, shall bruise your head. He's gonna crush your head, Satan, although you're gonna strike his heel. You're, going to, you're gonna hurt him, but you can't, you can't take him. Even though you kill him, He's going to be raised from the dead. Have you ever wondered why it is in Exodus that the enemy saw to it that the male babies were killed? And why it is when Christ was born in Bethlehem, they killed all the male babies two years of age and younger? Because Satan knows that it was a biological male who was going to come and crush his head. Satan is terrified of Jesus. And he did everything he could to kill him. But he couldn't take him because you can't stop God. This promise was made that he was going to take him out. Here's my second favorite. God promised he himself would come as a biological man and save us. Look how he would save us. Look at how he would be born. This is Isaiah 7, 14. Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, biological male, born of a virgin and shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God promised that he would be born of a virgin as one of us and that that man would crush the head of Satan, that he would defeat sin and death, that he would come and that one day he's going to change the whole world again. Third favorite, read it already. It's just too good not to read again. Isaiah 9, beginning in verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and of peace. There will be no end. It's going to be eternal. And it's important to remember that, that yes, Christ has come. The kingdom has come, but not fully. At the restoration, remember, creation, fall, rescue, restoration. We're in between the rescue and the restoration. And yes, the light has come, but there's still a a restoration that is to be. And when Christ is ruling, no more death, no more viruses, no more pandemics, no more tears, no more fear, no more despair, no, no more anger, peace perfect peace. And it's not going to happen because we're so cool and smart. Look at verse 7. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And friends, when we repent and believe the gospel, God becomes Jesus, our wonderful counselor, mighty God, prince of peace, everlasting father. This happens when we look to Jesus in faith. This promise is Jesus and it's important to to take note second thing the light came through the promise of god but look at this the light came through the person the person who came for us and that person is jesus jesus is the promise Jesus is the biological male who is God, born of a virgin, who crushed the head of Satan when he died on the cross and when he was resurrected on the third day. This is our king. Look what Jesus himself said about himself. This is John 8 verse 12. And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He couldn't be more clear. I am the light of the world. This is what was promised. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. When we repent and believe the gospel, his life comes into us. He redeems us, forgives us, gives us a new purpose. He gives us himself so that we can trust him as provider and look to the provision, not as our God, but as blessings from the provider, so that we live for him, we walk in him, we have life in the light. Friends, given this, to me, there's only one logical response. Accept the gift. Yeah, I, I was at a four-way stop the other day, and I was not in a hurry you ever been in one of those situations, you know, you're just pulling up to the four-way stop, and about that time, someone else is pulling up to the four-way stop, but the person was in a much bigger hurry than me. I mean, they came flying up. I'm just cruising up, right? And yeah, they come flying up, and they slam on their brakes, kind of get to the four-way stop, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, not that big of a hurry. So what do I do? I say, go ahead. Now, I was doing this because I didn't want the maniac behind me. So it was a little bit of selfishness in this activity. But then they look at me and it's like, oh, no, here we go. They're like, no, you go. No, you go. And so I'm like, no, you go. You go. And they're like. So I go. And what do you think they do? They're just all up on my car, my truck new to me, love my truck, all up on me, ride me. And there's, there's still, I know God's still doing a work in me. And I know this because And just heads up, if you're ever in a rush and you're behind me and you're riding my bumper, here's what I do. I can't help it, I go slower. <laughs> and so I could see them getting mad, which gave me a little joy. And I know that's wrong and I'm confessing it to you now. But I made the offer. It was like, it's obvious, you go, you go, go. The option with Jesus is so obvious. Receive. Receive the light. Just just take it. The response is so simple. See, because Jesus, the light has come, uh, there's only one logical response. It's to receive the light and become children of God. I, I put this on social media. You can take pictures of it. Don't worry about writing it all down because we've already posted it. But John 1, 9 through 12, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, but look at this. And the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, but his own people, the Jews, they did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Everyone who believes becomes children of God. I mean, all we got to do is receive it. He's, he's saying, come on, just go. Go. Why would you sit there and say, no, I'm just going to be miserable and make you miserable? Don't you know living in sin makes you miserable? And friends, it makes God miserable because he loves you. He wants you to just go. Because in in him, when we go with Christ, we become a child of God. Sin is forgiven. Heaven is our home. God is our father. Because Jesus, the light has come. The only logical response is to be changed by that light. Again, Jesus said in John chapter 12, beginning in verse 44, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but him who sent me. And whoever sees me, uh, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Because the light has come and because we've received that light, he's going to change our life. He's going to free us from darkness. It reminds me of the, of the little preschooler who was at the pool with dad, which made everybody nervous. It's always a nerve wracking thing to see a preschooler without a mother present and a, and a, and a father responsible. And, and, you know, he's kind of giving her directions that she basically ignored. And he sits down, and one of the directives was don't go jump in the deep end. And what's the first thing she does? Yeah, Jumps in the deep end. Can't swim. So everybody else is nervous, wreck. Dad's got his drink. You know, he's spilling everything. He jumps out. He gets her out. She's coughing. <laughs> he's like, I told you, do not jump in the deep end. You can go be in the steps, be in the shallow, not the deep end. Sits down. She goes walking. What does she do? She jumps right back in the deep end. And he goes, he jumps in, pulls her out and says, child, what is wrong with you? And everybody else was saying, dad, what's wrong with you? can't help it. There's a a natural inclination. What God is saying to us he didn't save us from the deep end so we'd keep jumping into it. He saved us from sin so that we would be free from sin. He doesn't want us to keep jumping into it. You say well well, I'm in the world. Yes you can be in the world but not of the world. What that basically means is you can be in the pool but you don't want the pool in you. Because that will kill you. And so will sin. Yeah, you're going to be in a sinful world. But don't let that world be of you. What God has called us to is a new life. A life that is free from the power and the corruption of sin. So that we can live in the light. And that's the third thing. To live as light. Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 8. Listen to this real close. Listen to what we are. Listen to what the scripture says. For at one time you were darkness... Okay, we established that, Ephesians 2, 1 through 2. We were darkness. We, were, we committed treason. But look, but now you are light in the Lord. You're not darkness. You are light. And you're light in the Lord because the, the light has come in us. And so now we live and that light shines through us. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. A few years ago, we had a college student who just loved Jesus and was a very compelling person. He had friends who were believers and he had a lot of friends who were unbelievers. And it was fun uh, to to see him show up to church with unbelievers. And, And there was an influence that his life had because he was light. And they would look at his life and they would say, okay, this guy doesn't have to recover from the weekends. This guy's weekends are actually restful because he's doing something on Sunday. Sounds weird, but it seems to be working for him. His grades seem to be working. His relationships seem to be working. There's something in this guy's life that that I'm going to need. And he was able to share Christ through his way of life. And he told the truth. And there were a lot of, of his friends that were in darkness who didn't like it. Because what the light does is it exposes the darkness. And the darkness doesn't want to hear it. And the darkness many times will be critical of the light and those who walk in the light and try to intimidate us and tell us that we're on the wrong side of history and that we're way wrong, we're way backward. And all the friends just walk in the light as he is in the light. You know what happened? Several of those friends came to know Jesus Christ and they today are walking in the light. Because he lived in. As the light and this is what we are called to do the light has come to live in us and that light in us is meant to change the world let's pray father we thank you for coming just as you said that 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 god would enter biological male born of a virgin god with us to conquer sin and death Father, I can't help but know that some here right now have never received your offer of new life. And so I pray right now, God, that they would repent and believe. If you right now, sitting there, head bowed, eyes closed, if you want to repent and believe, in your heart, say this to God, God, I've I've sinned. But I know Jesus has paid the penalty for that sin. Live in me forever. And Father God, I pray for any who are right now receiving your Lordship, confessing that you are Lord, and believing in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and they are being saved, that they will tell someone so that they can be baptized very soon. Father, I also pray for brothers and sisters in Christ. Every one of us, we're battling power, pleasure, popularity, possessions. All the time we're battling right there where you are. Answer this question. What idol are you tempted to worship? It's not if, it's it's a matter of which one. One of those causes you to fear, causes you to be angry, causes you to be overwhelmed with despair when it's threatened. Friends, repent of that. Repent of that idolatry. Get your eyes off the provision And put your eyes on the provider. Repent and recommit your life to trusting in and obeying the provider. Father God, as you do this, as you you save sinners and as you bless your children who've repented and believed... I ask, God, that you would make us light, that you would revive the light in us and bring about an awakening as we are light in the world. Now that the light has come, that others will believe that that thousands, literally thousands, will be saved and you will be praised and honored and there will be a great awakening. Father, we know you can do this and we ask that you do this in Jesus' name. Amen.